Look at my butt. Show number 237 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Here we are on Mother's Day, recording yeah, Mother's Day. a Look at His Butt podcast, and we want to wish everyone who has a mother, is a mother, knows a mother, Live long and potluck. Yeah, and especially to Marjorie. Yes. Oh, Possibly. oh gosh, it's a big day there. <laughs> <laughs> One of the most important mothers in the universe. <laughs> Without Marjorie, no Jim Kirk. That's right. Somebody on Facebook posted a happy Mother's Day for the Virgin Mary. Oh. <laughs> And I just laughed. That's very good. So so thank you to Marjorie for making this all possible. Oh, that's really. right. I mean kinda literally. <laughs> okay, so we have a lot of fun stuff to talk about. We do, yes. And um we're gonna start out with something that's fairly fresh news. It was just posted, I believe, yesterday or the day before. Mm-hmm. Neil deGrasse Tyson, who is a um a physicist and a wonderful explainer of scientific things. He's frequently a guest on, on talk shows and he has a podcast and his guest was Bill. And the show is called Star Talk. And the way they did this, I thought, was really interesting. He had recorded an interview with Bill, okay? Mm-hmm. And then later, he did the podcast. And he does his podcast in front of an audience. And from things they were saying, I think it might also be a video podcast. But when I went to the link, it was just SoundCloud, you know. So, um, but so he plays bits of the interview and then they stop it while he and the other scientific type people who are with him talk about that. Hmm. So Bill's interview is is in in little chunks throughout this, hmm. but it's it's really fun. Um, first of all, you know, Bill loves talking to intelligent people. Of course. And, um, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson was asking him, you know, how was he, was he a geek when he was a kid? And, and, uh, and Shatner said, well, define geek. (laughs) And he said, well, you know, were you, you know, into science and doing the science fair and, and all that stuff. And, and, and Bill said, no, no, I was, you know, um, into sports. Mm -hmm. And, uh. He was a football player. We all know this. Yes, he was a football player. (laughs) But, um, you know, so he starts that and they tell the story about how Bill got involved with Star Trek. But the really fun part is when they start talking about science. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, Bill is either faking it really well <laughs> or he's a lot, lot smarter than I really thought he was because um, he was, you know, saying, okay, so when a photon does this, what happened? And I'm like, photon? Bill, what, what, uh, you know, what are you talking about? But, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson and the other people, or Neil would explain it to Bill, but then in the chatty part with the other guys, um, they would all ex- explain it and argue about Ooh. it, <laughs> which made it really fun. And they have one guy who I think isn't that scientific, but he, I think he's a comedian. Uh-huh. And so he's making, you know, jokes about, boy, I love when guys argue about, you know, photons and and things like that but um bill did not shill till the end wow that's quite unusual yes yes it was very unusual i can't remember what he shilled for now but um he didn't really say too much that uh 
that we didn't already know. But for some reason, they got to talking about how Star Trek, uh, you know, dealt with a lot of current issues in the context of science fiction. And so they talked about that horrible episode. Jack, be quiet. He hates that episode, too. Let that be your last battlefield with the half-black, half-white guys. And they're talking about what an amazing idea it was and, and, you know, how how difficult it must have been to write that script. And I went, yeah, because they just had, like, 20 minutes of people running through hallways. Really? That's all it was? (laughs) Yes, yes. So, you know, but they talked about that and... uh, and then, of course, they talked about the kiss with Nichelle. Of course. <laughs> and, and Neil asked Bill, um, were you aware at the time that this was going to be the first interracial kiss on television? And Bill goes, um, no, people don't usually keep track of stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> So, he, you know, he was cute. He was funny. He was very relaxed, and, and uh, he, he was enjoying himself quite a bit. So it was really fun. And, uh, oh, what else did he talk about? Oh, so he, he – um, Neil deGrasse Tyson said, okay, I have to ask you this. What is your favorite Star Trek oh. episode? And Bill goes, oh, Neil, <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> And then he talked about, of course, City on the Edge of Forever. But he said, I think it was called City Across the Road. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, that's its new name. Uh Uh-huh, I like that. I like that very much, City Across the Road. And then he had a question for Neil, which again had something to do with photons. (laughs) And Neil explained whatever it was. But at one point, Bill's going, but that doesn't make sense. And uh, and Neil goes, the universe, and he's laughing, the universe is not obligated to make sense to William Shatner. <laughs> then Bill's laughing. He goes, but William Shatner is obligated to make sense of the universe. <laughs> Which I thought, that is Bill in a nutshell. Oh, well, I would think he would disagree strongly with that first statement that the universe <laughs> <No>. <laughs> No, he wants to know, he wants to understand, he wants, you know, to talk to people and learn whatever it is they know. So it was really fun. And at one point when they, you know, cut to the other people talking, they were all laughing. And one guy goes, it's like Shatner is doing Shatner. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. It is not a podcast I will probably pick up as a regular thing, even though I enjoyed it. I do not have the base knowledge Mm. to understand what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, I know terms like speed of light and photon and uh, things like this. And the, the, the scientist guys, when they're talking, they get to talking among themselves. And they also had a guy, I think his name was, his last name was Butcher. He was phoning in from NASA. Mm hmm and so they asked him, you know, what is what are the Star Trek technologies you think we are going to have? And I did understand that. And that was really, you know, fun. They just kind of get off on this thing about, well, how would you how would you do that? How would you make a, a cloaking device? Mm-hmm. Well, we're actually pretty close yeah, on doing yeah. a cloaking device and um, you know, these other things and then uh so, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun, oh. and I, I highly recommend everybody go listen to it. I think it's about an hour long, mm-hmm. and um, you just stay with it because you think, oh, that's the end of Bill's interview. No, 
Bill's interview keeps coming back and coming back until they say, well, that's our show. Because at one point they do questions that have been sent in to them from listeners. And I thought, oh, well, now they're through with Bill. Nope. So give it a listen. It is a lot of fun. And if you are a person who at least understands rudimentary science, I think you would probably think this whole thing is is just a blast. That's great. I I will definitely listen to it. I didn't even know about this. I saw something... I don't know, on my flipboard or something, and so I posted it to our Facebook. And then I thought, well, this would be a good thing to report on. Yeah. And, oh, here's one of the things. Um, I can't even remember what they were talking about, probably an episode. And then they get to the, you know, they stop the interview with Bill, and the other guys talk, and one guy comes in, and he goes, I just have to say, this first thing he says after they stop the interview with Bill, I have to say, this guy looks so much younger than he is. <laughs> oh, they were talking about the episode of um, Terror at 20,000 Feet, uh-huh. you know, the Twilight Zone. And he goes, not just in that, but in, um, he's 85, and look at him, you know, so that was cool. But then the scientists were talking about, the reason that episode is, or one of the many reasons it's a, it's a classic is, I, they didn't bring up my idea, which is that at that time, flying, commercial flying, people didn't do it very much. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of a scary thing, you know, if you had never been on a plane, the whole idea Mm -hmm. of it. But um, they were saying, uh, you know, Bill had talked in his interview part about as an actor, you have to base this in reality. You can't respond like there's a guy out there in a fuzzy suit. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. you have to see this monster. And so they were talking about that. And one of them said, so if you were on a plane, you're a scientist. If you were on a plane and you saw this, what would you do? And the other guy goes, I get out my iPhone and take a picture. (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, that's how we know things happen nowadays. Mm -hmm. We take pictures of it. And they all started laughing. They just thought this was, yeah, that's exactly what you would do. Of course. Well, this is, you know, a lot of people talk about how things like, um, you know, people who are uh, convinced that they're Bigfoot and and other cryptozoologists and Mm -hmm. people who um, talk about being visited by UFOs, like that stuff is really vanishing because everybody has a camera with them at all times. Right. And they brought that up. They said, that's how we know these things are not real because nobody has a picture of an actual abduction happening. Right. Or the, nobody has a picture, an actual good picture of Bigfoot. And even the crappiest phones have good cameras on them now. Yes. So the yes. opportunities are endless and there still are no pictures. So that's mm-hmm. pretty good negative evidence. Not that you can ever rule anything out, but um, right. definitely, yeah, <laughs> it's a big change. Yep. So good interview. Uh, like I say, Bill was very relaxed. He was having a good time. And, uh, and we all know, you know, he, he did not turn the interview around. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson was the interviewer. And so that was kind of unusual, too. Yeah. Well, maybe Bill felt like in, in this situation, when they were really talking about science, it might be better to let a scientist lead the interview. <laughs> I, I don't you know. Think? Maybe. I, I, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Okay. So, yeah, that was good. And like I said, um, if you just want to uh, Google 
Shatner, DeGrasse Tyson, I'm sure it comes up, mm -hmm. but it is posted on our Facebook. Yeah, I think it's at startalk.com or .org. Yes, yes, that's where it Startalkradio is. Startalkradio.net, that's what it is. I just looked okay. it up. Okay, okay. Cool. Well, that's great. Well, thanks. Um, and I want now I really want to listen to that because that mm -hmm. will be better. You know, I have to say, sometimes I get tired of listening to interviews with Bill because they tend to be pretty samey, you know? Yes. People ask him the same questions, and, and unless he's doing something specific like talking about science there's there's not a lot of new stuff there but this sounds no. just so much better than the average interview yes it really is and it's kind of like why you and i really enjoyed his appearance at the first silicon valley comic-con yes. he was getting entirely different questions yeah, yeah. than uh than his usual fare yeah. so oh so cool yeah. well, that's great so he's still going strong, of and course. from what I hear, they have started filming um, Senior Moments. Yes, that's what he's been tweeting about lately, so uh -huh. he's been okay. not on Twitter as much as usual because he's been filming. So what happens is he's there's nothing from him all day, and then at the end of the day when he gets off and, and they're done, there's like this barrage of tweets as he's trying to catch up on everything that happened during the day. It's like, whoa, okay. Bill, stop, too much. <laughs> all righty. So, what did you want to talk about after? Well, um, I'm, I'm going to had an idea. Yeah, I, I did <laughs> have an idea, and the, this is um, you. You had posted this saying that I needed to explain it to you, so I will yes. now explain it to you. So, um, thank you. This is hilarious. It's an article at the Daily Dot, which is um, a online media outlet that talks a lot about fandom and science fiction and, and things like that. They're, the quality of their journalist is sort of, journalism is kind of up and down, but this is a pretty funny article. And the headline is, William Shatner browses 4chan is dank AF. <laughs> okay. And the AF stands for as fuck. That's what that means, right. dank I know that. Yeah. <laughs> so this is an article about Bill tweeting. I think this is hilarious that Bill's tweeting engenders journalism about it. You know, like it's now mm -hmm. become a thing where uh, just the way other people's tweeting, you know, I'm not going to mention any names, but it could be the president, a quote, quote, unquote, president, um, <laughs> that that tweeting is a thing that you write about mm -hmm. the tweets, not about what that person is doing or saying in interviews or anything like that, but mm -hmm. merely about the fact that they're tweeting. So um, 4chan is uh, discussion boards that have been around for a long time, and they are uh, populated, most people think, by sort of teenage boys, and they're really into free speech, but also, you know, they kind of lead toward the anonymous, let's let's take down the government anarchy and stuff, and mm -hmm. I don't know, I like, I've never been there, because I, there's a lot of porn there, and other things that I'm just not that interested in seeing, but people have been um, talking with him about culture and stuff. And he is saying that he goes to 4chan and maybe he even posts there, which is so weird. Like I can't even wrap my mind around that. Yeah. And, um, he is talking about it. Like he knows what he, again, like he knows what he's talking about. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just like, I don't know. Is that true? Or like, is Paul feeding him this or does he, is it one of his like grandkids or something? Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, how does he have time to do this? Because it's not easy to navigate those boards. You know, it's not like um, looking at Twitter, right? I mean, even Reddit takes a long time if, mm -hmm. to figure out, like, you got to go here and look and click through. There's a lot of it. And, and 4chan is kind of like that. So um, people are just asking him, where do you go on 4chan? And he's like, oh, I go, I look at the TV stuff and, you know, 
I don't know, man. It's really, really weird. But he sounds like he knows what he's talking about. Uh huh. Um. So he he goes to four chan and he reads what people have to say. Uh, I don't know. But that's what this article is about. So I'll link to it. And you can all read it. It's mostly um, screen caps of of tweets when he was talking about four chan okay. with other people on Twitter. So what is what is Bane posted? <laughs> um, it's a reference to um, the the character of Bane, who's a villain in The Dark Knight Rises, and uh, in that Bane has a conversation with a CIA agent, and uh, the agent says to him, "You're a big guy," and Bane says, "For you," which just became this like meme that people would uh, use on 4chan, but in other places as mm-hmm. well, and so. Um, Bill just like drops that into his conversation. Like this is a meme and he knows it and he's going to use it. Okay. What is he, at one point he says, is it Kino? So that's 4chan. <laughs> yeah, I know that's 4chan slang for TV. Oh, okay. So the, oh, like kinescope. Yeah. Like yeah. kinescope. Okay. Or, or, All or right. film sometimes too, but um, it's just what people like. So he knows this slang and he knows these memes and I, I just, I don't know. I don't know how he knows it. Huh. <laughs> that's what I said. <laughs> I just went, huh, that's weird. And then he says, everyone knows I'm grandmaster of the delusion, not yeah. that that's, that's pretty cute. It is. So he, Bill's so weird about political stuff. You know, he's always saying that he doesn't get political online, and yet he does. Mm-hmm. So yes. this was in a response to someone accusing him of being part of the alt-right, you know, who are, like, basically fascists and Nazis. Yeah. So he calls them the Delusionati, which, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> I like that. I like That's that good. I'm going to start using yeah. that. Okay, now I, I have a little understanding of what that was all about. Yeah. <laughs> So you can all go and read this article and see what it has to say. And let us know if you think that Bill actually goes to 4chan or somebody else does and is just kind of telling him about it, giving him briefings and saying, here, drop this slang in. You'll like it. It'll be fun. Cause- now, I know you you follow Bill on Twitter much more than I do because half the time he's talking about things I don't know what they yeah. are. Um, but has he said anything about what's going on with Once Upon a Time? Because I know he was following it. Oh, I don't think he has because he's been filming. So um, I, ah. I I don't think so. I haven't actually looked at Twitter today. And I know this is all brand new stuff over like the last two mm-hmm. days when they were talking about oh, people are leaving, right? There are some people leaving the cast. Well, this is the thing. It has been renewed, but it looks like 70% of the cast is not coming back. And I'm thrilled because they're keeping the three actors I like. Oh, good. And they're firing everybody else. Mm. <laughs> And some of them I didn't care about, but there were a couple I was going, oh, my God, get rid, get rid of, get, go away, go away, go away. So um, that's sort of happening. But uh, I saw a, a snarky comment in, I think it was Entertainment Weekly magazine that I thought was so pic- funny. It, it, it had a picture, and then it said, um, Snow White's daughter marries Captain Cook in a ceremony by Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> Which is actually what happened. And then it says, never change once upon a time. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I guess tonight is the big season finale. Oh. This is amazing. I do not understand why every show I like or that I stream is either on or releases its new episodes on Sunday. Hmm. And I'm going out tonight. So the rest of the week, I'm going to be, you know... 
catching up on all my stuff. Oh, I, I'm I'm knee deep in catching up on all my stuff because I've been playing mm-hmm. too much Lord of the Rings online. Um, oh, how is that oh, going? It's wonderful. <laughs> I really, really like it. Um, yeah, it's great. But we're not going to talk about that because then I'll never shut okay. up and, and we won't get a, okay. a real show done. Okay. But yeah, Alrighty. I love it. It's great. Uh, in fact, I, I had to, I had an opportunity to create a new character, mm-hmm. which I did. And her name is Helen Noel. So, oh, <laughs> good, great name. Yeah, I thought so. And it wasn't taken, which was the most amazing part. So that was, yes. that was really good. Um, okay. So here's the thing I, I didn't put on our list, but I want to talk about it very briefly. <clears throat> Excuse me before I forget, which is that, um, the guy, who is part of one of the the Star Trek uh, fan made series? Um, James Cauley, you know the Elvis mm-hmm. Star Trek. Yes. He has a new thing happening, and we might have mentioned this once before, but now it's actually happening. The sets that they used for filming that have been expanded, and you can now go and tour them. And they're in Ticonderoga. They're in Ticonderoga. They? Yeah, and so yeah. they're open for the tour. And um, uh-huh. so let me just read you what it says here. It says the Star Trek tour is a recreation of all sets as normally found at Desilu Studios while Star Trek original series was being filmed. The premise is to show the sets and related studio equipment as the actors would have seen them when filming there. So you get to see corridors, transporter, all the sickbay sets, the Jeffrey's tubes, the ladders, main engineering, including the warp core, Kirk and Spock's quarters, the briefing room and the 360 bridge. And there are props and furnishings as appropriate. Um, okay, I have a question right off the bat. Yes. As I understand it, some of these were not individual sets. Right. Like Kirk and Spock's quarters were not separate things. They just rearranged stuff, right? they just right? redressed them, yeah. But they did them as like two separate? Yeah, they did. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so I, I've seen pictures that people have posted of the sets, and they're they're as complete as they can be. Um, you know, walls where there wouldn't have been walls. Um, mm-hmm. because of filming like they had to put the camera somewhere right so so they've right. kind of built it out um they also have display cases with props and replicas of some of the monsters like the gorn and the salt vampire um mm-hmm. and lots of mannequins with uniforms so lots of places that you can take photos so i have seen the pictures that are posted and people who have been there say it's amazing it's like being on the enterprise and really? they've done the lighting um, the mm-hmm. lighting is beautiful, like really, really beautiful. None of this stuff is original. This is all recreation. Right. Um, and on the bridge, stuff works. So you can press a button and it'll make a noise or it'll turn on wow, and off. Wow, yeah. that is a lot of detail work. It's a lot of detail work. So, you know, they took all the stuff from filming um, the, the fan series and now they've turned it into a thing that you can do. Hmm. Um, so it, you can buy tickets now, um, and they, they do tours and the level of the tour is like what you're paying to see. So the cheapest ones are like 11 bucks, which is pretty cheap. That is. The more expensive ones are like, you know, 70 to a hundred plus dollars, depending on what, what you're going to do. Um, that's still not bad. It's still not bad. Like, but you have to go to Ticonderoga. Yes. <laughs> Um, and then you can get a tour with James Cauley, you know, he'll take you through it and tell you all about that. Um, Mm -hmm. and then they've got a couple of other things like, uh, coming up during the summer, you can get pictures with people like Walter Koenig and Barbara Luna and Lee Merriweather. Like they're coming there to do photo ops with people just like they would to a regular con. 
Now, I think I heard that George Takei had been there. He probably has. Uh, I'm just yeah. looking at the list of stuff that's happening through the summer. So, I, I mean, if it wasn't in Ticonderoga, I'd be really interested in, in going to this. Um, yeah, but Ticonderoga, geez. I know, it's kind of not close to anything. I mean, mm -hmm. you really have to make a, a an effort to get up there. Right. It'd be a pilgrimage. It would be a pilgrimage. But people are going, and um, they have had all kinds of people there. Um, you know, they've invited Star Trek writers and actors and, and folks, and all of them are raving about it and saying it's it's just awesome. So wow. I think that's pretty cool that they're doing it. And, and yeah. so the, um, the website is StarTrekTour.com. And if you just go there, they've got some scrolling photos to show you what it looks like. And I have seen, oh, okay. so of course, these are professional photos, but I've seen right. photos taken by people who were there and they look the same. It's not like, ooh, professional photos. And then when you're there, you're like, oh, yeah. this is crappy. No, the photos that people have posted look exactly like the professional photos. Wow. So it's kind of awesome. So if anybody is near there and wants to take a little trip, we would love to know about it. Yes. Yes, we would. Yes. Um, I just remembered one other thing about the interview that I wanted oh, to yes, share. Oh, yes, please. Okay. They, uh, first, uh, Neil was asking him about, you know, the Star Trek movies that they were in. And Bill pointed out, you know, that, I don't know, there were six or seven of them. And uh, they knew that based on the history of how the first like three and four had done every single one of them would make at least a hundred million dollars mm. and so that kind of you know feeds into studio decisions you know once you know that you get this much money yeah. well then they asked him about uh the jj abrams movies and bill had what i thought was a really interesting um, metaphor mm. for them, which I had not heard before. And he said, well, you know, JJ's very creative, you know, very talented person. And I think what he did was he made a Star Trek ride. Oh. And he goes, lots of special effects, lots of, you yeah. know, different going places and everything. And he said, and I think the characters suffered a bit for that. Oh, what an astute observation. That is okay. absolutely true. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Uh, that's a really good way to think about it that I hadn't thought of before. And yes. No, I hadn't either. That's amazing. I mean, we've said, you know, okay, it's all about the special effects and lens flare and everything. But to put it in those terms. Yes. Yeah. That's, so That is really, oh, wow. Okay. I'm really liking that. I'm going to have to think yep. about that a bit, but I really, really like that. Cool. Points to Bill. Points to Bill. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Um, okay, I want to talk about one more thing before we take a break. Um, okay. This is this is a, a sort of um, reading-heavy podcast, and so the first thing I want to, to talk about in the reading mode is this book that I bought, which I sent to you. Um, yes, and I've read some of it. And it's called um, Ultra Actors, William Shatner. And it's by a guy whose um, pen name is Bunny Ultramod. So I was like, that's a weird name. So I looked it up and his name is Max Sparber and he is a member of the pop punk band called the Ultramods. He is also a playwright and an award-winning journalist. Um, and he writes for uh, the Minnesota Post. So he's a musician, but he also writes about William Shatner. And I just saw this book. Um, I was flipping around and I, I always search for new books about William Shatner on Amazon and stuff just to see what there mm -hmm. might be. And I thought this looks interesting. And I read a sample and I was like, holy shit, this is really good. So um, it's a book 
about all of the terrible movies and some good movies that he made mm -hmm. um, from the start of his career through when he was in Star Trek to sort of the, the 80s when he started T.J. Hooker and, and other things. But he doesn't deal with Star Trek. No, not at all. So it has... Oh, right. It's the other things. It's, the, yeah. it's all the other things. And what I love is that he so appreciates Bill. And I feel like a lot of the stuff that he says are things that you and I have said many, many times about Bill's performances. Mm -hmm. So here are the, the, the movies. So Explosive Generation, Intruder, The Outrage, Alexander the Great, Incubus, White Comanche, Soul Survivor, Andersonville Trial, The People, Go Ask Alice, Incident on a Dark Street, um, Horror at 37,000 Feet, Impulse, of course, Big Yay. Bad Mama, Pray for the Wildcats, Tenth Level, uh, Devil's Reign, Mysteries of the Gods, Kingdom of the Spiders, Crash, and Disaster on the Coastliner, which I had never heard of before. I've heard of Have it. You? haven't seen it. I don't know anything about oh. it. Um, so I love this book. I just love his take on these things. You know, he points out how uh how things got made so there's a little bit of backstory and and picks up on things in Shatner's performance again like things that we have said many times um and he really focuses on uh the things that Bill brings to each performance like his huge amount of commitment and his believability of the characters and like just all the things he does as a, as a working actor so i just wanted to read a little bit from the introduction to give you a flavor um, he says, I skip films where Shatner makes only a brief supporting appearance for the most part. Instead, I generally focus on the films in which he was top builder, had a significant role, whether they were television films or intended for theatrical distribution. These were the sorts of roles that Shatner could really inhabit, and the writers and directors could construct the film around Shatner's unique abilities, qualities, sorry. This is where it's possible to see Shatner's progression as an actor and explore some of the acting choices he made, which were often quite bold, whatever the material he was given. There are a few exceptions to these general rules in the cases of films where Shatner had only a slight presence, but the films, but the film itself struck me as especially interesting. Shatner made more than a few of these. This is an enjoyable exercise and one I recommend. It's not especially uncommon to pursue the very best films made by an actor or director. Mm-hmm. Instead of each film being individual artistic acts that stand in isolation, they begin to seem as though they are referencing and commenting on one another, mm. uh, which I thought was a really good observation. Um, so just to skip to the end, explore the trash, I say, and if an artist interests you, <laughs> follow his or her career wherever it went, even when it seemed like it was crashing and burning, because it is very hard for an interesting artist to not be interesting. And you'll often find the projects they did between the hits to have their own merits and pleasures, even if they are entirely unconventional and sometimes accidental. Especially when you're dealing with an actor like William Shatner, whose current success is built in part on his ability to poke fun at his own excesses. It's worth exploring the early examples of those excesses. I, I remember reading that. And I also remember him pointing out, it was in one of the movies he was discussing, that um, post-Star Trek, Bill played a lot of weak men, mm -hmm. evil men. It was, you know, it was like we almost never saw him in hero mode again. Right, right. Yes, he, he made, so he made these choices, right, for, for mm -hmm. um, characters that were completely opposite of, of Kirk and, and the other, you know, hero characters that he played. Um, I, so I just, I love this book. I, I, I've read about 
80% of it and I want to go back and, and read the rest of it. But it, it's a self-published kind of thing. You can buy it on mm-hmm. Amazon. It's like five bucks or something. But it's so good. And, and like, I'm so glad that somebody has taken the time to look at these movies as a, a body of work, right? Instead of just a right. one-off, like, let's make fun of these bad movies that Bill has been in. It's more of a, you know, like an approach that we take when we're looking at things and how it mm-hmm. fits into all of the other stuff that Bill was doing and how something he did in the 60s kind of relates and, you know, what carries over from movies that he did 40 years ago into things that he's doing now. Um, and I also really like the fact that he... Um, I actually, I have to say, when I first looked at this, I thought this was written by a woman because Me too. the attention, Bunny. yeah, but, <laughs> but also because the attention to Bill's character is, is very non, like, uh, what you often see in male film critics, like, you know, making fun mm-hmm. of him for being too feminine or, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not doing a very good job of explaining it, but often male film critics tend to focus on the macho aspects of it while while not mm-hmm. really paying attention to the things about Bill as an actor that make him really appealing to, to men and women alike, you know, that he's mm-hmm. very well-rounded and not afraid of his softer side. So, and then I was like, oh, it's a guy. Oh, this guy's really smart. That's totally awesome. I just want to read a little bit from his review of The Explosive Generation, one of our favorite films. Yes, and I read that review, so go ahead. Oh, um, so about Bill. Shatner is in the film just long enough to stir up trouble, argue with parents, get suspended, and give the kids some cautious advice. It's not a very interesting role. The teacher is written as being square-jawed square jawed and honorable, but Shatner fills it with enormous charm. Charm! Yes! He grins at his students with, unfeign- with unfeigned affection, socking the boys on their arms and giving the girls avuncular squeezes, both of which would likely get a modern teacher in more trouble than a discussion of sex would. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> He refers to himself as the all high, and his students do too, because when they because when they see him, they shout, hi. He's quietly authoritative, <laughs> enforcing discipline with genial good humor. One scene has him wandering through his class with a garbage can, demanding students toss out the gum they are chewing, and he feigns that he is passing a collection plate. Alms, he pleases. He pleads. <laughs> so I, I just, I love the recognition of him as being charming, for one thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and being quietly authoritative, right? Enforcing discipline yes. with genial good humor, which, yeah, that's exactly what he does. And that's something that, like, carries through to Captain Kirk exactly like that. Like, well, and you could see why he would be a favorite teacher. Yes. Because of those things. Absolutely. He's he's the kind of te- like the kind of leader you want to follow, right? Like you respect yes. this person and mm-hmm. you like them at the same time. And he listens to them. He absolutely listens. You know, to he them. says, "What do you guys want to talk about?" I mean, it's a smart script that way. Yeah. But Bill really inhabits that character and brings him to life. Oh, he so does. So yeah. I, I just love his observation. So I, I just love this book. I'm going to write to this person who wrote it and say, "Dude, you're such a good writer, and you totally get Bill." Yes, yes. It's really good. Um, you know, I was watching Shorely the other night. Um, yes. Which I, I pretty much love, except for the last five minutes, which are terrible. I mm-hmm. never realized how bad the last five minutes of this are. Um, you know, there's the going off with Ruth, which is awful and everyone hates yes. it. Yes. Um, there's the, the two uh, cocktail waitresses that McCoy comes mm-hmm. out with who are awful. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're just basically sexist pieces of eye candy. And the fact that mm-hmm. when one of them goes over to Spock and then he kind of turns her back, like he, he, he escorts her back to 
uh, I forget who, who even he pairs her up with, but he does that awful, awful thing where he puts his index finger under her chin. Yeah, the chin oh. chuck. And I noticed that the keeper or the caretaker. He does it too. Does it to Lieutenant What's her name? Yes, I know. And and then Spock does it, and it was like, ew, this is so I gross. Know. Oh my god, awful. And then um, Lieutenant Martine, like nobody even comments her uh, comments on the fact that she comes back from the dead as well. Like she's yeah. not there, and then all of a sudden she's there. Nobody gives a shit. It's like, oh well, thanks. Well, a you lot. know what? I sorry. <laughs> You know, people talk about she's she's in the episode where her fiance gets yeah, killed, yeah, and she's in a later episode where she's at communications, mm -hmm. but nobody talks about she's in this episode, yeah, she's in three episodes with no no explanation or anything. So that mm -hmm. was offensive. And then the scene on the bridge at the end mm -hmm. is the worst. It, oh, yeah. it is so like okay, we know that it's a humorous episode, so they're going to end with a big laugh on the bridge, and it was like yeah. they couldn't even come up with an actual joke. I know that's when it's so pathetic. And it was Fox like, "Did you have a good time?" And Kirk's like, "Yeah, I, I would say that it was really interesting or something." And that's mm -hmm. it. And everybody laughs, and they're all going, <laughs> like the fakest fake laughter. Oh, I'm I know, like, and God. that's when the show. Reminds me of Bonanza. Oh, God. Is that these bad laugh endings? So bad. So bad. Uh, but it was good to see Bill not wrestle the tiger, and that, that made me always. <laughs> but, yeah, the tiger, the tiger, was, wrestle the tiger. I was thinking this as I was watching it, because I was watching yeah. it too. And I thought, remember recently in a show we were talking about Captain Kirk's most what the fuck moments? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, wrestling the tiger. Okay, to me, it's become almost real. Well, yeah. And I realized <laughs> that in a few more years, when I'm senile uh, and I'm in the home and you come to visit me, I am going to talk about the episode where Kirk wrestles the tiger. Yeah, yeah. And you're such a good friend, you will sit there and discuss it with me. <laughs> Detail. <laughs> yes. Where they got the tiger. Uh, what was the history of the tiger? What else What else had the tiger been in? Oh, my God. Know? Well, I will probably be agreeing with you at that point because I, too, sort of half believe that he wrestled the tiger. <laughs> Good. <laughs> but anyway, the point I was going to make before I got into okay. that little rant, sorry about that, was that <laughs> so, um, so after McCoy gets killed and um, what's her name? I can't even remember her name. The lieutenant who got dressed yes. up in the ridiculous outfit. Um, yes, princess. She, princess. So she changes back into her clothes and she starts to freak out and she's like, oh my God, what are we going to do? And she's kind of blubbering. And I'm like, that's a bad Starfleet officer. And uh -huh. Kirk grabs her by her shoulders and I was like, oh, God, does he hit her? I really hope he doesn't hit her. And he doesn't hit her, which is really good. <laughs> yes. He yes. just kind of picks her up and he, and he doesn't even shake her. He just kind of mm -hmm. holds her and he looks her right in the eye and he's like, Lieutenant, we have a job to do. You're a Starfleet mm -hmm. officer. Get it together. And and she kind yep. of looks at him like, oh, right. Okay. 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 And she And she gathers herself together and then he lets her go and he immediately switches from like strict, I'm the captain and I'm in charge to this incredibly like caring and, and, you know, okay, I got mm -hmm. you to, to relax. Now I can go back to being the actual Captain Kirk now. And as an actor, I mean, he's so good. He's just so good because mm -hmm. he doesn't say anything. It's all in his body language and mm -hmm. his facial expressions. And it's just yep. perfect. And it totally relates back to this, right? Like the quietly authoritative enforcing discipline. Like he has to be strict with her, but then he immediately switches out of it to let her know 
you know, he's not pissed off at her and he's not right. going to demote her or whatever. It's just, I had to be tough to get you to, to get yourself together. And now I'm going to go back to figuring out what we're going to do next. Mm-hmm. It's just so good. Yep. I, I was it impressed is. all over again with how good Bill is. Uh, so anyway, so there's that book. Um, boy, we have a lot of other stuff to talk about. So let's take our break. Yes, and, let's do and that. And we'll come back with more fun stuff. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we would love to hear from you. Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and leave us a comment. Tell us your Trek news. The Canadian Post Office is like being really cool at the same time it's why because (laughs) they have issued a series of star trek stamps and five of them feature the captains and sort of behind each of them is their greatest foe Mm -hmm. and they're really beautiful looking and then one is a shuttlecraft and one i think is just a big rock but i'm going um how how many people actually mail things anymore? <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's great. It's the Canadian Star yeah. Trek, you know, and that that's Bill. And, of course, it says, Canadian Star Trek fans can now boldly go to the <laughs> mailbox, featuring all five of the show's past captains. And, uh, you know, I... I I think they're cool. I mean, they look really good. They do. So it's interesting that they chose to do Wrath of Khan mm-hmm. with Kirk and Khan rather than original series Kirk and Khan. Um, like you know, I, I get it, but it, right. Um, all the other pictures, yeah, the other pictures are all from the series, and that one is from a movie. Yeah, yeah. But it's you know where he's got that that stand up collar, yeah. which is so. It's cool. just before he yells Khan. It's good. So yeah, those are nice stamps. They're very pretty. I'm, I'm glad that that they're doing it. And um, I mean, Bill's been on a has he been on a stamp before? I think he has. Yeah. I think Australia did some. Okay, but this and... is but this is Canada. So now he's conquered um, Canadian stamps. Let's say yes. That is another media. Conquered. Okay, good. Very very good. So um. It also says in the article, which I didn't know this, that um, Canadian Post also issued a stamp of the Borg Cube and one of the shuttle Galileo. Oh, that's what the thing is that I thought was a rock. It's a Borg Cube. <laughs> this is the second year that the Postal Service has offered Trek-themed stamps. Oh. Last year's batch was to celebrate the show's 50th oh, anniversary. Oh, okay. There you go. So very, very cool. And I hope um, our Canadian fans <laughs> are enjoying these. Yeah, buy them. Put them on, on envelopes or not. Just buy them to have them since that's what yes. so many people do. Frame them. Frame them, them. Yes. 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 Okay, so that's cool. And now, space. Space. Oh, you want me to do the yeah, next thing now? Yeah, can you do the space thing now? Okay. So here's the thing. Go to the final frontier with William Shatner. Oh. On a zero-gravity flight this summer. It says, if you're going to experience zero-gravity, you might as well do it with Captain Kirk. 
So he's set to take flight on August 4th with the Zero Gravity Corporation and Roddenberry Adventures. And you can go. And here's what Bill says. Going weightless will turn a dream into reality. I've always wondered what it would be like to actually explore the final frontier. And now I have the opportunity to experience zero gravity firsthand. It will be an incredible adventure. It's set to take place um, in Las Vegas during mm -hmm. Creation Con. And uh, the flight will take place on G-Force 1, a specially <laughs> modified Boeing 727, which will, this just about makes me throw up reading it, which will perform a series of parabolic arcs to create the feeling of floating through space. Mm -hmm. um, creating these weightless moments, blah, 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 blah. Once back on land, the participants will have a chance to mingle with Shatner during a meet and greet session. Tickets for this voyage... And they do include a zero-G flight suit and photos and video are $9,950. Wow. I wonder, so you can do zero-G anytime you want to. Um, yes. And I wonder how much more it is for this with Bill as opposed to how much it normally costs. I could probably Google that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, you could. Um, here's the thing. I would not do this unless Bill was going to hold my hand uh, the entire time. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so it's $5,000 if you're just going to go oh, to do it. So it's basically paying twice as much right, to go, to with, go Bill. with Bill. I totally wouldn't do this. I would, be, <laughs> I would be so sick. It would be gross and disgusting. I would be vomiting all over the place. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Oh, well, I wonder how Bill's going to cope with this. Hmm. I mean... Well, you know, when... When there were the, who was it, Elon Musk or somebody said Bill was signed up for a space flight and Bill shut him down, yeah. you know, that he wasn't. And he said, I will only do these things if they guarantee I'm coming back. Yeah. yeah. And well, since this is basically a airplane ride that's going to simulate zero gravity, it's not quite the same as getting on something that says we're going to the moon. We're actually going to the real moon, the real moon. in real space. Yeah. yeah. I just, I don't know. I mean, well, I guess... I guess the chances of you um, getting hurt and also having some kind of medical emergency are probably not too high. Mm -hmm. But I, oh gosh, I guess, you know, if you're 87 years old or whatever, 86, mm -hmm. you know, you have to get checked out pretty thoroughly by your doctors. And I guess he's healthy yeah. enough to do it, even with that artificial hip and all. <clears throat> yep. Wow. Well, so. neither of us will be doing that anytime soon. No, no, we absolutely will not. <laughs> but uh, I look forward to hearing what Bill has to say about it, because I'm sure he will have things to say about it. Yep. Okay. So we've got a couple more things um, that we want to get through. And um, both of them are, uh, well, the first one is another amazing resource that has to do with Bill's performing career. And it's called mm -hmm. Shatner Web. And that's the domain for it. So it's written by someone who does not identify themselves publicly. I kind of looked around and I couldn't find their real name, but it doesn't matter. Okay. Um, and so I'll, I'll read you from the, uh, the, the what is this thing. Uh, there are two main purposes for the, the existence of this website. It's a place to find all of the extant William Shatner appearances reviewed in chronological order. I'm pretty sure that I have a collection of Shatner programs that would rival anyone in the world, and I want to move through each Shatner appearance chronologically in order to give the complete picture of the great man's career. Some of the reviews might be quite long, while others might be only one or two paragraphs. 
I will be creating posts for appearances that I don't own as well, and if you have a copy, let me know. Um, so uh, he's, they say, for programs only available in media libraries and collections, like the things at the Paley Center, I will make mm -hmm. all reasonable efforts to visit and view the programs there. Basically, the goal is to be absolutely complete as humanly possible. So they have started at the very, very, very beginning with mm -hmm. the things for which there are no um, recorded copies, like some of his radio stuff and then some of the plays that he did. And they've put together kind of a review just based on information that's from books and magazines and newspaper articles at the time. You know, this reading this and going through it to a certain extent really made me wonder, we have never heard any of Bill's um, radio appearances. No, and I don't know that there are. I don't any. know if they exist. Yeah, you'd think that they would have some somewhere mm -hmm. at the CBC, but, you know, the person who does this site says they haven't been able to find them. Wow. Uh, so what was interesting to me was to read their review of something that we'd actually seen. And mm -hmm. the first one that I could find was Billy Budd. Which, which we watched, and I mm -hmm. thought um, the, the review of it was pretty good. You know, uh, they didn't find it, I think, quite as uh, slow and clunky as we found parts of it, but, uh -huh. but definitely talked about how good Bill was in his part. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, I have to find the part where he talks about, um, let's see, Billy chats with his new shipmate, and um, the, the horrible captain comes down and begins talking to the handsome young seaman. It is in this exchange that one of Shatner's two great deficiencies as an actor becomes readily apparent. He cannot affect an accent of any kind without, <laughs> without sounding like a fucking idiot. Yes. <laughs> His other deficiency being that he can't sing. In Melville's novel, <laughs> Billy Budd is from Bristol, England. From listening to Shatner's accent in this TV production, the only conclusion that I can reasonably come to is that this version of Billy Budd is the love child of a pirate wench and the Lucky Charms leprechaun. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 100%. And he still can't do an accent. <laughs> many, many years later. But anyway, um, but he has a lot of good words to, to say for, for Bill and for the production in general. Um, and he compares uh, some of the things that Bill says about this in his in Up Till Now to what you actually see on the screen. And you can see that Bill has embellished his memory of this a little bit. Um, and so it's really good. And what he also does at the end of each review, I'm, I'm saying he, even though it might be mm -hmm. a woman who's doing it, so sorry, I'll go back to they, um, is to say, look at all the people that were in this, and here's where Bill worked with them in other performances. So it's sort of charting, oh. like, the, the orbit of Bill and how he's mm -hmm. worked with all these other people, especially in Canadian television and plays. Yes, um, yes. And so it's really good. And he, this person has been posting something, I think, once a week. So they're really getting through it. And mm -hmm. they're up to, uh, where is it now, 1955. <laughs> okay. So they're going to be doing this for the rest of their natural lives if they're doing one a week of all the things that Bill has ever been in, pretty much. Mm -hmm. But I, again, can't recommend this too highly. It's really good. Again, looking at the body of work that Bill has done over the years instead of just one-offs. And they're totally not interested in making fun of stuff and saying, look at all these bad movies or bad plays or whatever. Mm hmm so I love it. I think it's really good. I think it's it's fantastic that this book and this website, pretty much we became aware of them at about the same time. Yeah. And they're they're um, they're interested in reviewing Bill as an actor. Yes. 
Yes. As and you know, that's one of my favorite topics. Oh, me too. Just talking about technique and performance and mentioning the accent and, and all kinds of stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's just so yep. good. Okay. Yes. Yes. That is a, a wonderful site to, you know, pop into it once a week and see what new is, is there. And yeah, so very cool. Yeah. All right. So the last thing that we have, and I know we're running kind of long, so I want to do this, but I'm reading a book. She's reading a book. I'm reading a book, and the name of this book is called Zero G, a novel. <gasps> <laughs> Are you loving it? No, it's terrible. William Shatner wrote it's it. It's so bad. It's such a bad oh. book. It really is. Um, so by William Shatner and Jeff Rovin. And Bill didn't write any of this. It's really clear. Um, Jeff Rovin wrote it, and Bill came up with some ideas for it. So let okay. me read you the inner flap to tell you what it says. Okay. In the year 2050... The United States sends the FBI to govern its space station, the Empyrean. Um, and Empyrean is not I-M-P, it's E-M-P-R-Y-E-A-N. Under the command okay. of former under the command of former fighter pilot and FBI field agent Samuel Lord, he's the hero. The space-based yeah. Zero G men are in charge of investigating terrorism, crime, corruption, and espionage beyond the Earth's atmosphere, and of keeping an eye on the rival Chinese and Russian stations. During the Zero-G team's first days in space, a mysterious and beautiful scientist, Dr. May, shows up to the Empyrean, claiming that important research has been stolen from her lab on the moon. Her arrival suspiciously coincides with the timing of a tsunami that destroyed part of the coast of Japan, and her unusual behavior makes Director Lord think that Dr. May might know more about this disaster than she's letting on. Meanwhile, Wait, wait, wait. She shows up, and they put that together with a tsunami? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Okay. Meanwhile, the Chinese oh. space station has gone mysteriously silent. In oh, I thought you were going to say it's gone missing. No, well, that would be better. Maybe it has. I don't know. I haven't gotten to that part yet. Okay. In this gripping space adventure, Director Lord must connect the dots to discover who or what has caused the tsunami as well as subsequent disasters and how oh Dr. May and the Chinese might be involved. Um, this is the first book of a trilogy, by the way. Oh, no. I know. That's what I thought. I was like, oh, oh, my God. Okay. So I'm up to, I, I just started reading. I'm up to page 31. Um, it's got kind of big type, and it's 350 pages long pretty much. So I'm going to be reading it for a while. I'll be updating everybody on how it goes. I didn't buy this. I got it out of the library. I was amazed that they had it at the library. Okay. It's, so the first 30 pages of this are just so info dumpy. That's what I hate most about it. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, it's 2050. You have to inform us on all the wonderful scientific things that have happened over the last, you know, 40 years or so. But it's yes. done so, like, clunkily. You know, the stuff is oh, just shoehorned in at every opportunity. Really bad. Um, but the best, best, best thing about this I love is that um, the hero of our book, Samuel Lord, is William Shatner. Oh, well, of course. So overtly William Shatner, I can't even tell you how much he's William Shatner. So, <laughs> oh, tell us, tell I'm us. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to, to read this. Uh, so I have some things to read to you. Um, so our first introduction to Samuel Lord is um, there's a cocktail party on a space station. And um, our, the person through, who, through whom we see all this is a woman named Christine, who is an escort. Not not a sexual escort, but just sort of a like a pretty arm candy woman who goes up mm -hmm. with some general. So so she's wandering around, and, and we're getting her point of view on all of these things. And she's supposed to be an extremely attractive woman. Okay. And not stupid either. So let's just okay. clarify that. Okay. 
Here we go. Um, Christine suddenly shifted her attention to a man to whom the general's departure had revealed. Whom the general's departure had revealed. He was attentively listening to two American military men in the far corner of the room. He looked and acted different from the others. Christine maneuvered toward him. Most of the men in the room were statue-perfect and vulpine-eyed. They were all jockeying for the attention of those who could help them, ignoring those who could not, and avoiding those who could do them harm. This new man was considerably older, a little squatter, and a little thicker than the rest. <laughs> thicker, but clearly fit and muscular. Of course. He was wearing a collarless blue suit over a dark red tunic and a healthy suntan. He had not been up here long in space. The man held what looked like a vodka on the rocks in one brawny hand, while the other was tucked in the small of his back. She stared openly at it. There was something about that hand. The one in the small of his back? Uh, the one holding the drink, I think. Okay. 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 No, she corrected herself and adjusted her gaze. It's not the hand. It's the eyes. There was a gleam in them that seemed to say, I could be holding a bouquet of roses or an ultrasonic pulsar pistol. It's up to you. <laughs> Before she was completely aware of it, the man had excused himself from the others and stepped toward her, fixing her with those lively gray eyes, which were set under a swath of steel wool hair. <laughs> Isn't it great? Yeah. I just love it. Okay. So that so that's Bill right there. He's the main right. character. Um, let's go to a little further along in their conversation. So they spend some time talking. And um, so he's trying to get her to talk a little bit. Uh, so... The woman looked down as if overcoming shyness. That wasn't it, given her profession. She was giving herself permission to engage with someone other than the man paying her. You know what my greatest fascination is, she finally asked. I was hoping you'd tell me, he said. Stables, she said. Our pastor back in Billings, Montana, once said that a church is a place you can visit anywhere in the world and feel at home. That's how I feel about stables. The smell and lighting and sound always makes me feel like I'm at home. So Bill obviously put that in because it's about stables. Okay. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I know. It's just like the parts that Bill put in are so obvious. They just jump off the page of you. All right. Hold on. There's a couple more things. Let's see. She says, uh, what are you doing up here? And he responds, oh, I'm here on business. I, and then he identifies himself as the FBI director. Impressive, she said in earnest. Not according to my children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and a garrulous former wife. They all think that I belong safe. That there's, there's that word again, in a quiet pasture somewhere, not stationed in a rugged frontier. You do not seem like a man who can be outvoted, she said. I am not a democracy, he agreed. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's so Bill. Okay, um, and now let me get a little further along where there's actually a little bit of plot happening. Oh, okay. Uh, so she says, this is great. Um, so the, now they're just talking about more stuff. Uh, he gets her a drink and he comes back. Sorry it took so long, Lord said, walking back into the room, a fresh glass of wine in his hand. He probably drank from it first and now he's going to give it to her. Um, <laughs> apparently, people like to take my elbow and talk to me. Christine stared at Lord's voice. She had been trying to see the stars and it Wait, not... wait, wait. She stared at his voice? Yes. Oh, started, not stared. Oh, okay. My mistake. <laughs> okay. okay. So people like to talk to him. She started at his voice. She had been trying to see the stars and had not seen or heard him approach. That's a good talent for a zero-G man or woman to have, isn't it? Encouraging confession. It is, he agreed, handing Christine her glass. More accurately, though, it's that I like to listen, to learn, and most people like to talk. That's Bill. That's totally Bill. Okay, here's the best part. 
Um, oh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll save this. But she says, may I ask how old are you? I'm 88 and I'm 80 and change, he said. So he's also somewhat over 80 years old, just like yes. you. Yes. Okay, get ready for this. Um, okay. You don't sound cynical. Oh, I'm not, he said. It takes youth and idealism to be misanthropic. Then he frowned. Except for my medic. He's grumpy. Okay. okay, so there we go. That's that's our hero, Samuel Lord, who's really William Shatner. Well, yeah. Um, so, uh, like I said, I'm up to page 31. There's a little bit of plot getting going here, but I was just vastly amused by all the actual references to real life. Not even Captain Kirk, just real life William Shatner <laughs> that are in this book, except for the medic part, which is definitely a McCoy reference. Um, so I will tell you what happens if I can actually figure it out. And, okay. um, you know, what happens with the mysterious Dr. May and the Chinese. And, oh, I will say there's a little prologue in which we get to experience the tsunami in Japan mm -hmm. through the eyes of a couple of scientists who are there who are Japanese. And the writing for those characters, like the dialogue that they're given is, is like, it's racist. There's just nothing I can Aww. say about it. You know, like, why do you have to make all the Japanese characters talk like they're, you know, f from... 18th century Tokyo, like suddenly they're oh. spouting poetry all the time. We didn't need to do that. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not very yeah. good. So I'm doing it, folks. I'm reading Zero G. Good for you. Mm -hmm. You're really taking one for the team. Well, somebody had to do it, and I figured, you know, this it, it, the book is out right now, and Bill said that it was good and that Steve Wozniak would enjoy it, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to challenge him on that. I don't know. Maybe it gets better. We'll see. Well, maybe you and Steve Wozniak can get together and compare notes. That's a really good idea. Uh, I will... Right after you, you talk for about, I don't know, 17 hours with Stephen Colbert about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I will drop a note to Steve Wozniak to say, I know Bill recommended this book to you. I've read it already. Have you? I can give you some, some you know, clues up front, or we could have a discussion about it if you want. And we'll see what he says. That's a good plan. Yeah. So uh, that's what I'm doing. Well, bravo. <laughs> uh, let's see. There's stuff happening. You know, Bill's filming. Um, he had been talking about the new season of Better Late Than Never, and I'm not—I think that's starting at the end of the summer, or maybe in the okay. Fall. Well, we'll be watching that. Yeah, and there's been some discovery news. Also, there's some casting changes and, and stuff that's happening, but nothing—they—they they keep pushing the release date back, so I don't know when it's going to happen. I know. It's a little it's like, oh boy, yeah. yeah. So I think that's going to do it for this show. Okay. Uh, so everybody keep sending us uh, tips and tweets and stuff on Facebook. And uh, we would love to hear from you. If you've read Zero G, let me know what you think. Because I'd, I'd like to not be the only one who's reading it. Oh, yes. And I want, I want to uh, let our listeners know that um, beginning to middle of June, I am going to be in New York City Ooh. for a few days. And if anybody wants to get together for breakfast or lunch and and chat you know how much we love meeting yes. you so um yeah drop drop us a line i would love to do that yeah and uh, we've already bought our tickets for next year's silicon valley comic-con because yes yes because we had the opportunity so if you live anywhere near the bay area you should go man it's so good oh, yeah. you'll have such a it good is time. it is a, a good good con it really and is it's, it's unique so good Yep. All right. So that'll do it from us. Thanks, listeners. We love you so much. Thank you for listening and all the, the wonderful things you do. Um, so until our next podcast, live long and potluck. Bye. Bye.